Hello, and welcome to episode number 184 of the Savvy Social Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping passion-led online business owners learn how to use social media as a tool to grow their business. I'm your host, Andrea Jones, and I'm fiercely committed to helping you understand the how and the why of social media marketing so that you can create connection, build community, and make your difference in the world. And this episode, we're talking all about LinkedIn. It's perfectly timed for our upcoming LinkedIn challenge. If you haven't signed up yet, head on over to onlinedrea.com slash LinkedIn. That's onlinedrea.com slash LinkedIn. And it's really a great jumpstart to diving into the platform, especially in the past year. We've seen a lot of activity happening here. And if you listen to this episode and you need a place to start, join us for this free challenge, uh, which will be fun. Now today on the show, I have special guest Bryn Tillman, who is the LinkedIn whisperer and the CEO of Social Sales Link. For over a decade, she has been teaching entrepreneurs, sales teams, and business leaders how to leverage LinkedIn for social selling. As a former sales trainer and personal producer, Bryn adopted all of the traditional sales techniques and adapted them to the new digital world. She guides professionals to establish a thought leader and subject matter expert brand, find and engage the right targeted market, and leverage clients and networking partners for warm introductions into qualified buyers. She's also the co-host of Making Sales Social Podcast and the author of the LinkedIn Sales Playbook. Bryn, welcome to the show. Thrilled to be here, Andrea. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to dive into this topic because I feel like people shy away from LinkedIn a little bit. They maybe think it feels a little stuffy. So I want to talk about how as business owners, especially, we can kind of start with this platform and how we can actually like make money <laughs> from the activities we do on social media. Um, but I want to kind of start with your history as a business owner. What got you into selling and being a sales leader in the first place? Well, selling is a kind of an interesting, I fell into it as an inbound order taker at at Dun & Bradstreet right out of college. It was my first job and it was a little boring because you're just answering phones and placing orders. So I started talking to the people that were calling in and because they did such a great job of training us on product, it really helped me to explain to them some some of the solutions to the problems they had now been sharing with me. I had been recorded and found out. And so they brought me in to train everyone else how to upsell the same way I was doing that. And uh, I, I just ended up in sales. Um, I loved it very much. I ended up in the field with, with them and recognized the one thing I didn't love was cold calling. So when I saw LinkedIn decades later, uh, I recognize that it solved my problem. I didn't have to cold call anymore because I was able to identify who my clients knew and uh, leverage relationships to get warm introductions and referrals and and many other things. So uh, I moved from being a producer and sales trainer to really just focusing on LinkedIn because I really felt like it solved the biggest problem, which is the first conversation. Yes. And I know, especially when your business is all online, that first conversation can be tough to have. Um, but social media does kind of break down some of those barriers. So LinkedIn, obviously your primary platform, 
what are some of the other things that attracts you to LinkedIn or what are some of the good things about LinkedIn that you like compared to some of the other platforms? Well, the one thing that LinkedIn has that no other platform has is the ability to search and filter your connections, connections to identify who they know that meet the criteria of the people that you want to know. And because there is no other platform like that, uh, LinkedIn really, in my mind, is the most valuable relationship-driven prospecting tool. We all love client referrals, but often when we ask, we get like shoulders shrugged and people saying, you know, I really don't know who I know. I love you though. If someone should ask, I'm happy to introduce you. But we can now bring a list from LinkedIn and say, Andrea, you know, these 17 people on LinkedIn, I'd love to get in front of, can we talk through these? And they end up three or four meaningful introductions. And so that is the one thing that LinkedIn can do that no other tool does. Interesting. Okay. I think that some people uh, may have a hesitation with this, especially because we get a lot of connection requests from people we don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you see that kind of being a detriment or a benefit to leveraging LinkedIn? So, um, you know, there are three kinds of connectors. There's the LinkedIn open networker. They connect with anyone. It doesn't matter. It's like collecting business cards, sticking rubber bands around them and putting them in the corner of your desk. There's the purist who will only connect with people I've talked to or I've met. And then there's the networker somewhere in between. And that's where I think the healthiest place to be on LinkedIn is on LinkedIn if you're in a sales role or a business development role. If you have other purposes for LinkedIn, you may want to be a purist. But if you're in sales and you're a purist, it's like you walk into a networking meeting and only talk to people you already know. Right? We go to a networking meeting to meet new people. That said, we don't want to date every new person we meet. Right, So if we're getting these inbound, if you're a networker, you'll have a conversation, but you won't necessarily take them out to coffee. So the connection request is when I'm ready. If you're someone I'd want to take to coffee, we can connect on LinkedIn. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't talk first. So I might ha- get a connection from John. I don't know John. He's from you know uh, the other side of the world, he's got seven connections. I'm number eight. Not sure how that happened, right? So I might say, "Hey, John, thanks for your connection request. Typically, I only connect with people I know. May I ask how you found me?" And I can start a conversation before I accept his connection request. In fact, most of the time, I'll send that message and then hit ignore. It's in my inbox, right? It's in my message box. So if he responds, it's right there and I can then connect with him. So I highly recommend guarding your network, but also having conversations, not ignoring. If you ignore, if you ignore everyone that comes in, it's like, you know, I walk up to John at a networking meeting and not, you know, I go to say hello and he turns his back and walks away. That's what we're doing if we just ignore them. But we can ask that question and start a conversation. And, you know, often it turns into them pitching us. And then we know, you know, thanks, I appreciate I'm not interested. And then we know we don't want to add them to our network. But there are on occasion where they're a good networker. Maybe sometimes I'll get someone go, I read your blog and it was amazing and I'm so excited. Or I watched that video on YouTube, even though I had no one in common. And now I'm like, okay, well, this is someone valuable in my network for a few reasons. I'm bringing value to her, right? So value 
is two ways. It's not just what they could do for me. It's what I can do for them. But they'll also most likely engage on my content, which will help to amplify it. That was a really long answer to your question, but. No, I love it. And I love the idea of, you know, hitting ignore, but sending that message as well. It's something that I've actually been missing in my strategy because we do get a lot of requests and I can't, I don't like, we always get the people who spam us, right? Like I remember there was this guy, and I think I've said this on the podcast before, but there was this guy in one of the M states, Missouri or Michigan or something trying to sell me solar panels. And I live in Canada. I'm not even in the same country. (laughs) And it was like connection request. I just hit approve. I was in the space and time in my life where I was like, everyone's great. Approve. And then it just left me going, why? What What about my profile said, I need solar, panel, solar panels today. <laughs> so I love the idea of starting that conversation and kind of weeding out and curating your connections to kind of keep your list more intentional, to keep your connections more intentional, which is beautiful. Um, what about flipping it on the reverse? So as a business owner, when we're seeking out connections, you know, what are some of the tips and advice that you have for us when we're on the other side of sending that connection request? Yeah. So there's, you know, many, there's multiple ways, pathways, workflows into conversations. There is the direct, which is my least favorite, but I'm happy to take you through that path. There's the client referral. There's the networking partner referral. There's the person I engaged with on content uh, pathway there. You know, so I, we both engaged on Andrea's post. I really like this person. I'm having a conversation online. How do I take it offline? That's one way, right? Um, There's, hey, I'm prospecting this company. What are my pathways in? So there's like so many different ways. Let's just go with the lowest hanging fruit and my least favorite, which is the direct connect without warm market. We still need to warm this up. Just keep in mind, and I'm sure you know this, but for everyone listening, connect and pitch is a bait and switch. It hurts you. It doesn't help you. When you cold call someone on the telephone and they hang up on you, it doesn't hurt your reputation. They don't remember who you are. On LinkedIn, they can see your brand, your profile. You get blocked, which hurts your reputation with LinkedIn and can get you shut down or locked down. Lots of things, lots of issues, right? So your reputation matters. So we need to slow down our outreach to speed up the outcome. We need to to just take things a little more purposefully. So first we build a list. We create a list of our ideal prospect. And even on the free LinkedIn, the filters are pretty good. We have industry. You can put in titles of people that you want. There's location. We can really drill down to the ideal prospect. Now I take that list and I pre-qualify it down one more. I look at their activity And if they're active on LinkedIn and they fit my ICP, my ideal client profile, and they're engaged, they're now in the very, very top of my funnel or pipeline or whatever word you want to use, right? So they've now, because they're an engaged user that meets my ICP, now I'm interested in in engaging with them. So maybe I make a list and this week I identify 20 people I want to engage with who are engaging on LinkedIn. So now I'm going to go in and the first thing I'm going to do, so I look I look at their profile, I follow them. They will get a notification that they've been, fo- that someone followed them or someone looked at their profile. Then I engage on their content authentically. 
I look at what did they post. That's why this is part of this workflow. They have to be engaged. So what did they post? Read it. Comment thoughtfully. Then look at some of the other people engaging and see if it makes sense to engage with them as well. Now we're on their radar, right? Yes. Now we're slowing this down. The next thing I might do, if I look, so let's say Andrea is the one that posted. I want to meet Andrea, but I'm also engaging. Now I'm going to say to someone else that that commented, if you like this, you should hear podcast number 175 with X guest. If you're interested, let me know. I'll send a link. Now you are beyond thrilled that I'm promoting more of your stuff. I'm building relationships with people in the comments, right? You're seeing all this. So by the time I connect with you, we've already made eye contact across the room. You've acknowledged that we have shared friends that we're talking to. And so when I walk over and I introduce myself, the connection request, I'm not cold to you. Right. And so, and then it's like, Andrea, thanks so much for the great content that you post. I'd love to connect and continue seeing your, your content. Okay. I'm so curious about the list piece of it. Cause I get this question a lot. I do this strategy pretty organically, but a lot of the people who follow us would like to have a list. So is this like a spreadsheet, a Google doc? Like where do you save your notes for this? So there's lots of ways to do that. We're actually exploring a very cool tool called Social Cycle IO, which is a workflow tool not connected to LinkedIn in any way. It's a separate workflow tool. Could be for email, could be for any sales, but we really like it. Um, and and so you can put them. It's just a workflow here. They're here, then they move to here. What I use is I use Sales Navigator. So mine are bucketed in in saved lists in Sales Navigator. You can use things like bookmarks. Like, because when we slow it down and we're being very purposeful, for salespeople who you're used to making 80, 100 calls a day, we're talking about really prospecting 20 people a week deeply, right? And more personally and get socially listened to them, learn about their company, learn about the industry that they serve, about their clients' industry, learn about. Uh, initiatives that are happening. Now, a lot of our clients do this where they start, I, I start with a human being, a list of people. A lot of our clients will start with, here are the 20 companies, or in some cases, five. Here are the five companies I want to socially surround this week. And what are the what are the things that we can do to be on the radar of a lot of the different stakeholders in some of these organizations and sometimes it's around a press release that went out. So I may have a Google Alerts of 100 companies. And now I get an alert that this company just got funding. Or I got an alert that they just hired 12 new people or whatever that is, right? So sometimes, and every client is going to be different. We go, okay, who's your best client? How did you get them? Let's mimic them. How do we find more of them? What are some buying triggers? Like for some of, I have a client who a buying trigger is they've laid off a lot of people. That's a buying trigger. So that's what, you know, just based on what they do. So I, I hate to say there's not one answer to this, but you have to figure out what is it that can help you start a conversation. And we have to socially listen to start identifying the people that fit that ICP, our perfect profile. Okay. And I'm curious for a process like this, 
you know, for a salesperson, I understand it would be, you know, their entire job. Mm -hmm. But for a business owner who's kind of balancing a lot of things, how much time do you suggest they kind of set aside or carve out for a strategy like this? So for business owners, the, the workflow I typically recommend is client referrals. So it's a much faster time to conversation. So this is pretty simple. You've got your you've got your perfect ICP. You've got your filters. Now I filter Andrea's connections, my happy client, and now I have a conversation with you about you know the people that you know, and that comes down to four or five or six people that you say, yeah, these would be great for you. And then I can either ask for introductions or permission to name drop. And by the way, I prefer permission to name drop because I get to keep the sales process with me. I don't bug you. And so I reach out and I'll say, Jane, Andrea and I were chatting the other day. Your name came up in our conversation and she thought I should reach out and introduce myself. I've been working with her for the last six months on this and this. Let's connect and I'll loop you in on what we were chatting about, right? Now we connect. Now, Jane, per Andrea, I'd love to set up a quick conversation. What's your preferred way of scheduling? If it happens to be via calendar link, here's mine. That's fast to come. And half of them will book because Andrea said. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, referrals are kind of like the best kind of marketing. And with this strategy, you're producing more referrals, more opportunities, which is something we all want as business owners. We all want other people to say we're great versus us just like patting ourselves on the back all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So I love that. Um, One other follow-up question. You mentioned Sales Navigator. Mm -hmm. Um, When do you recommend someone upgrading to Sales Navigator? We get this question a lot especially in our programming, um, where some business owners aren't sure if they'll actually see a return on that investment. So what are some of the things they should think about as they're thinking about upgrading? So you mentioned the difference, like if you're a business owner versus a salesperson, Sales Navigator is a salesperson's tool. It is very powerful when you use it. It's kind of like a gym membership, right? A lot of people pay for it and never go. I'm guilty. But yeah, but that's yeah, but that's Sales Navigator, right? Sales Navigator. A lot of people buy it. They show up a couple times because they're really excited, but they don't have a, a, a plan. They don't know when it's leg day. They don't know when it's arm day. They don't know when it's right. Like they just they're in and they're overwhelmed and they don't don't know what to do. So they need to have a workflow for Sales Navigator, and it needs to be someone who is committing a, an hour or two or three a day to actually prospecting. That said, there are some business owners that do get some value from it. And the reason is the filters are absolutely incredibly powerful. We can identify from a filter without having to look who's active. We can identify size of company. We can identify growth of departments. Or So for my one client, they want, you can do negative growth. And then she's like, okay, that's a, that's a perfect product. That's my ICP. So there's incredible filters. The key is you have to be willing to prospect. A lot of times I I will talk with a business owner or a coach or an entrepreneur and they say they want to prospect, but they don't. (laughs) They say, you know, and so in that case, they're never going to use Sales Navigator. So you really want to go, am I prepared to go out to get some business? Am I prepared to go do this? So There are a lot of people that say they want more business, but they're content enough. They're not hungry enough to do the work. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We have the same thing with any social platform, really, where, you know, it's good in theory. It sounds nice in theory, but in practice, if you're not fully committed, then it can just be one of those tasks that you keep moving, you keep moving. And then with Sales Navigator, you're paying for it. So you got to use it if you're going to if you're going to pay for it. One of the things I'm curious about, you kind of mentioned this early on in the strategy, is that you're kind of going out and engaging with other people's content. But what about the content on your page, the kind of posts on your page? How should our listeners think about approaching that? Or what's your methodology for creating content on LinkedIn? Ah, so the first thing you have to do is recognize that most people don't care about your content, right? They just don't. And so we have to detach from what we want to share and attach to what they want to consume. So we're going to go back to a little social listening. What content are your prospects consuming today? And then how do you bridge that concept to what you do? So instead of leading with your solution, which is what most of us do, we talk about us and our products and our services, we lead. We need to lead to our solution by offering little nuggets of magic, little just delicious, um, you know, kind of breadcrumbs that lead them to us. And most of that is typically done in an insights or education way. So five, there's just quickly five elements that content needs to include if you're using it for business development. You could ha- you can use it for lots of other things, but if you want this piece of content to create lead opportunities or conversation opportunities, it immediately needs to resonate with your buyer. So your buyer knows this is for me. The second thing it needs to do is create curiosity. Nobody clicks through anything if they're not curious. So you've got to have some kind of pull. Number three, you have to teach them something new. If everything in there is something that they've heard before, they're gone. Why take up more time? So if you're just regurgitating the stuff in the industry that they can easily Google, it's content. You might get engagement, but it's not going to convert to conversations. The fourth thing piggybacks on three, which is what they learned needs to get them thinking differently about the way they're doing business today. It needs to get them thinking differently about the current situation because nobody makes a move or even takes the time to have a conversation unless there's a reason. And if I don't see how this new thing that I learned impacts my business, why would I spend more time talking about something that doesn't impact my business, right? The fifth thing is it has to create a compelling moment. And this is really ultimately your call to action. So if you did the first four really well, the call to action, by the time they get there, they're excited to be able to talk to you. They're honored to be able to talk to you. So it has to create a compelling moment. Compelling could be something as small as a like or a comment or a share, or they accept your connection request or ask you to connect. But it could be something as big as they schedule a conversation with you. Any compelling moment means that you're at least on the the right track, that people are interested enough. And ultimately, that's converting our lurkers to engagers. And until we do that, we can't start any conversation because we don't even know who they are. Yeah. Okay. I love the the piece about 
compelling conversation and, and, you know, moving this away from centered on us and centered on our potential clients and customers. Because I do think that's the true difference when it comes to social media that converts is it's not, it's not about us. It's about them. And so it really mm-hmm. is focusing on that. Um, how frequently should we be creating these content pieces or how frequently do you create these content pieces? So there's, you know, there's creating content, there's curating content, and there's engaging on content. Um, I recommend that you're doing at least one thing a day, uh, one of those a day, but it doesn't always have to be creating. I have a client who's like, I'm never going to create. I don't want to create. There's so much content in my industry. So he curates. So he's he has amazing content that he curates. He pulls out a, a paragraph, quotes it, mentions the author, mentions the, the publication, he talks about his insight around that piece and he gets intense engagement, never creates a thing in his life except his opinion on the piece. And it's like logistics, but people care about logistics, right? And he's got the right people, but he's like, I, I have nothing new to say in the industry. He's software for logistics, right? But so he goes out and he gets this great content. He's like, there's so much content on logistics that my prospects care about that he just curates. I have another client that just engages. So she's in the coaching space. And so she finds influencers, sometimes we call them magnets. So as big as Brene Brown, it could be like a Shari Levitin who's sharing amazing content. or there's, So there's a lot of magnets out there that are creating Lots of conversation, like Brene Brown is not prospecting all these people in her feed, right? But a lot of them are the people that my client want to talk to. So most of what she does is start conversations around Brene Brown, right? So someone's commenting on something that Brene shared, and then she'll say, did you hear her on this podcast? I kind of talked a little bit. Did you? I don't know. Let's connect. I'll send you a link to Brene's podcast on this topic. And so they're having this conversation. And my client does coaching, not yet at the level of Brene Brown's mindset, but that's her, that's her influence, right? So, so now they start talking and she starts providing real value. So if this person who probably just statistically could never afford Brene can afford my client or may go into a mastermind with my client because she's interested in the same topic. Yeah. So your question was, how often do we do this? We have to do it with purpose. If I just tell you, do it once a day, it it might fall flat, right? Like, so the one thing I will tell you is the algorithm on LinkedIn doesn't like you to share more than one thing every six hours. So if you share something four hours later, it buries your first piece. So what I will say is don't do more than every six hours. But once a day is plenty. Okay. Again, a very long answer to your question. I'm. S- no, I love it, and I, I think it um, the the concept of magnets as well. I feel like sometimes business owners feel like they should be these thought leaders producing all of this content, and it really drives home the concept of connection. And, and which is really the intention behind social media. It's the social piece. It's not a billboard where you're just blasting out your offers all the time. It's that 
connection piece, which I think is so important. Okay, last question here. I want to talk a little bit about measuring the success of these campaigns because LinkedIn specifically for personal profiles, especially if you don't have the sales navigator, um, you don't really get a lot of data. Um, So how can we start tracking whether our efforts are successful or not? Like, How do we know that it's working? Conversations, period. How many of your connections, the right connections, turn to conversations? If you are not having conversations with your connections, you're doing social media marketing, not social selling. You can't, and if you don't have a one click sale, an Amazon link, like a, you know, we need to have a conversation with our prospects, right? So, um, in, unless you have a quick click commodity, you need conversations. So the KPI that matters really comes down to, am I having enough conversations with enough of the right people? And if I'm not, what do I need to do to attract more of them to conversation? Yes. I love this. I love this because I think we get so caught up in the metrics you know, we, we get so yeah. caught up in, you know, this is how many profile views I should have. And this is how many likes and comments this post should have and those sorts of things. When it really comes down to the quality of those conversations and not mm-hmm. the quantity uh, at all. It's really like how deep you're going. Yeah. I mean, I have an example that just happened uh, yesterday or I found out about it yesterday is one of our clients, we do a lot of polls and a lot of people like polls. I'm overwhelmed with polls. Polls work. I promise they're amazing for lots of reasons. So my client did a poll and didn't get a lot of votes. And it was the first poll. She was, she, we were converting her to poll because she was anti-poll. She was like, I'm, I'm sick of seeing them. I don't want to do it. Yesterday, she, and this was a week ago, yesterday she reported back and I don't know the exact number of votes, but it wasn't nearly as many as she wanted. She got two appointments, two appointments from the votes because she positioned the poll and the question correctly in a way that whatever they answer, she can offer additional insights around that. And then, because this is what we prescribe, is she took inventory of the 121 people, I don't know the number, hundred you know, that she was already connected to that she wanted to answer that poll, her current connections that were prospects, we call taking inventory. So she sent it to the inbox and that's why she was a little disappointed because she thought more of those first degree connections would have voted. But two of the ones that did are like interested in learning about her marketing solutions. So really it's just exciting. You know, it's, it's this, these things work and it's really about, starting conversations that matter to them. It's detaching from what that prospect is worth to you and attaching to what you are worth to the prospect. What value can I bring them? So she did this poll. She identified a couple of gaps and now she gets on a call to talk about additional insights to help them with those gaps. They're excited to have that conversation. Yes, that's such a beautiful thing. And I think that's really what we're here for as business owners is those sorts of metrics. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the number of connections you have, the number of people following you, the likes, engagement, they're all great, sure. But at the end of the day, we have a business that we're running. <laughs> so yes, those yes. are the metrics that we should look after. Absolutely. 
Okay, so you have a library of content for us for free, which is mind-blowing. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how our listeners can access it? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's linkedinlibrary.com or socialsaleslink.com slash library. And it's curation of our podcasts, our masterclasses, downloads, checklists. Well, it just just a lot of, it's all categorized and easy to find but it's our library and we want to make it easy for people. I don't want them to have to Google everything. So uh, yes. that's it. Yeah. Beautiful. And those of you listening, you can find the direct link in our show notes, onlinedrea.com slash 184. I will have all the links there. Uh, where else can we connect with you online? Well, I'm on LinkedIn, coincidentally. Yeah. So you can find me there um, and follow our podcast, uh, Making Sales Social. We've got lots of insights there too. Beautiful. And I'll put all of those links in the show notes. Bren, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Andrea. This was a lot of fun. Yay. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us on the show today. We have more amazing episodes coming up for you very soon. So stay tuned for that. And hey, if you love the show, make sure you're following us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave a review. Uh, You help keep us in the top 100 marketing podcasts in Apple Podcasts. When we think about the US and Canada and the UK, New Zealand, even Australia, that's because of you listening to the show. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We will see you back here with another episode very soon. Bye for now.